Hi everyone, this is Patrick Donahoe. Thank you for tuning into a special episode. I felt it appropriate to communicate with, uh, with you guys. Uh, the episode that's gonna come out this, uh, this coming Thursday is uh, one I recorded several weeks ago before a lot of what happened uh, this, this week uh, did, and that's why I wanted to, to jump on here and, and connect with you guys. Uh, following this really brief uh, just set of thoughts and, uh, and, and where, you know, just an overview of where, where I'm at and what I'm doing, uh, there's a, an, a, an interview I did with Jason Hartman on Friday. Jason's a great friend of mine. He runs the Creating Wealth podcast as well as a number of other podcasts. Very informed individual, one of the most informed individuals, uh, I, I would say, but also has an even head. He uh, definitely is not a status quo person and, and uh, loves seeking out the truth. Uh, so it was awesome to connect with Jason and get, uh, get his perspective. So that interview is right after my, my thoughts. Uh, and you, you can follow him at jasonhartman.com. Uh, uh, and uh, additionally, I, I did a blog post for my, my company, Paradigm Life, specifically for uh, our, our clients. And so I'll put a link on thewealthstandard.com for you guys to check, uh, to check that out. Uh, also, I want to apologize. We're not going to, to, to San Jose, California for the Unleash the Power Within Tony Robbins event. Uh, for those of you who had registered and, uh, and were planning on going, uh, it definitely is a, a, an unfortunate set of circumstances but I know that they will uh, do that event later, later this year. And so you can uh, build up your ant anticipation even, even more. Uh, but you know, I wanted, to, I wanted to connect with you guys because for those who have been listening for, for a while, uh, a lot of what we've talked about, uh, and uh, this is also the, the mission of my, my company, Paradigm Life, it's to prepare for events like, like these. You know, life is not linear, even though we want it to be. We want it to be very calculated. We want uh, these uh, certain things to happen, you know, in, in sequence and disruption is, is challenging. And right now we're facing a, a lot of that. And, and I, I, I try to, uh, number one, be the best leader I can for myself, uh, for my company, uh, for, for you as, as listeners, bringing you practical, uh, implementable uh, advice. And, and so I believe that what we've been discussing in the last couple of years strengthens your resolve, strengthens your mind for circumstances where it could be thrown off kilter in an instant. Just turn on the news, open social media. It's easy to get thrown into fear, but fear, fear and anxiety and panic, uh, these, uh, these are mediocre states. Uh, I believe that they're, they're, they're signals. Uh, they are, they're helpful. Uh, uh, they're kind of like soldiers, but they're not leaders. Uh, they, whenever fear and anxiety and panic is leading, there's something wrong and the results are not going to be good. Uh, and that's where I would encourage you is to really understand the balance of your emotions and what's going on right now in order to make uh, the best, uh, the best decisions. Uh, you know, I, I look at uh, quotes like, you know, life happens for you, not to you. Uh, the more you value things outside of your control, the less control you have. Uh, the one who follows the crowd will usually uh, go no further than the crowd. The one who walks alone is likely to find themselves in places no one has been before. You know, right now, I believe are, it's an incredible opportunity for uh, humanity. Uh, as you guys have listened to the past couple of podcasts where uh, a lot of what's going on right now was anticipated uh, by a few speakers at the Tony Robbins uh, Platinum Partners Finance event, 
So it should be no uh, surprise to you, it, but it's still, well, it's still a surprise to me. Uh, you know, I, I read and listen and, and hear a lot of opinion and perspective. And, you know, sometimes the, the negative, uh, the, the negative type of news uh, doesn't really resonate as much as uh, the positive, optimistic uh, news. And I'm not trying to look at the world. You, you know, you may say to yourself, oh, I have rose, rose-colored glasses and I'm uninformed and, and uh, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm not a realist. Uh, and, you know, and that's your opinion. And I, I totally uh, respect that. You know, I, I feel that regardless of circumstances, okay, the, the one control that I have is my mind and, and the state that I'm in. And, and I realized long ago that showing up in a certain state, a state of fear, uh, a state of scarcity, uh, it, it impacts those around me, those that I love. Uh, and it also impacts my judgment and my ability to make a decision. And so that's where, that's where I'm at in a lot of things that we're doing. You know, one of the steps that I took for my company, and we have almost 50 people here uh, at, our, at our office, uh, we, com- we went completely mobile. We're going to be 100% mobile t- uh, starting today. And, uh, and I did that not, not, as, not as panic, but I did that because, uh, you know, I, I realized that, you know, my team have, uh, they have loved ones, they have, uh, they have those that they're, they have stewardship over, specifically kids that, uh, you know, the school, most of the school systems here in Utah have been, have been canceled, right? So I, so I did it so that we would maintain continuity, so we would maintain the ability to uh, do business, uh, to keep them employed. Uh, uh, to keep their heads uh, heads right, so they have a sense of certainty, so that they can uh, perform their their duties adequately and, and in good uh, in good spirit. Uh, and it's been incredible, man. I I'm like emotional thinking about my team and how amazing how amazing they are. And we how we were able to rally so so quickly. Uh, but now now I'm going to speak just a, a, another minute or, or so on uh, what I'm doing, what's going on, uh, and uh, and then I'll it'll cut to the interview I have with Jason Jason Hartman the, the Kind of joint interview that we did, uh, and then I'm going to be a little bit more active this week. I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if even another podcast came out this week, uh, a, a special special episode. Um, but you know, I'm I'm at a point where, you know, I I look at the current opportunity as an opportunity for humanity to grow. I look at it as an opportunity for me to grow. Uh, I look at it as an opportunity for the country to grow. Uh, I believe we've been experiencing uh, prosperity for a really long time. Whether you want to call it genuine prosperity or uh, uh, a false sense of, of prosperity, artificial prosperity. Uh, that's that's up to you. But I look at how individuals have been, you know, partaking in, in life in an, a very abundant sense. Uh, and sometimes, you know, you don't value that as much. And typically, the other side of the spectrum, experiencing that is what's going to enhance and magnify the value you have for life, for relationships, for for work, for convenience, uh, for technology. Uh, and I believe it's a great way for us to grow. Uh, the second thing is, you know, I, I believe this is a, a big business opportunity. Um, I, uh, I realize that uh, some, there are some businesses that don't, don't operate the right way. It impacts their customers, uh, it impacts employees, and there are situations like these where, you know, businesses uh, are no longer around. And what that does is it provides massive opportunity for that capitalistic, entrepreneurial uh, mind that people have to solve problems and make things even better. I believe there's going to be well, there is tremendous disruption in the supply chain where uh, you know lot there's lots of reliance on China uh, and uh, and their resources to provide in part for all most of the goods and services that we use on a daily basis. Um, I don't think that's healthy. I I believe that uh, oftentimes when things are disrupted like that, 
they will strengthen, whether we bring in new technologies here, whether we bring in uh, different uh, sources of, uh, of resources, um, and there's a, I won't go down, down that rabbit trail, uh, but the idea is this helps to become stronger and it helps to bring out the entrepreneurial side of people uh, because these are opportunities where there's tremendous challenge and problem, but what that means is that we can find solutions. We've done it before as a, uh, as a society. And that's what I would encourage you. These are times where uh, you can really uh, understand yourself better uh, understand and and see how strong you are, especially from a psychological standpoint, because there are going to be opportunities for you to lead in your company. Okay, step up and be uh, be the voice, be the voice of reason, the voice the voice of leadership, the voice of inspiration, influence. You have that opportunity now because most people will not step up when times are difficult. Um, that is a huge opportunity for everyone, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your business, whether it's in your community. And the one thing I would encourage, the one universal thing that I believe if you do, you will have tremendous results, which is the mindset of seeking to add value in any way possible, uh, whether there's you know, financial remuneration, uh, whether it's just the, the sense of, of knowing you made a difference. But right now, there is a huge opportunity to add value uh, and to find ways in which you can help a company, find ways in which you can turn a company around. Find ways to lead inside of a company, get promoted. There are opportunities right now to grow and for you to step up. And I would encourage you to put those glasses on. Look at the world that way because there's tremendous opportunity. You know, there are certain things that we can't control. Um, do, do, do we know the extent of, of the spread and the impact it's going to make? We don't. But those are things that we really can't control. We can control our sphere, how healthy we keep ourselves, how healthy we keep our bodies, our minds. Uh, I think our, our mind keeping that pure, keeping that healthy, clear, is gonna, has a huge impact on your body. Um, so, so control, we can control. And then as far as things we can't, right, it's recognized that it's happening for us. It's happening us to really uh, allow us to find ways in which we can add value, make a difference, be a leader, be an influence. Uh, and, you know, and I'll end, I'll end with this. You know, there's, there's a reason um, you guys can see behind me. So to, to my, let's say, I'm trying to think of how you would see this, but I'm, uh, over one of my shoulders is uh, is Wayne Wayne Gretzky, uh, and I'm gonna. If you guys are watching on video, um, and I'll, I'll discuss him first. You know, Wayne, Wayne, I have that up on my wall for a reason. I love hockey. I don't have it up there for hockey though. I have it up there because Wayne Gretzky did what others did not. He was medium, uh, medium build, medium strength, uh, medium speed, okay, medium height. However, he did. He skated to where things were going, not where they were. Uh, the crowd goes to where things are. Uh, those that see opportunity go to where it's go to the, you know, the the location of where it's going. He skates to the where the puck is going, not where the puck is. That's where that's his famous quote. Okay? That pertains to life. Right now, the crowd is going one direction. Go another direction. Okay. The second, I'm gonna have to like tweak my camera here a little bit. Um, but let me see if I can point up. So right up there. Is uh, is a picture of the, uh, the the dream team, okay? The miracle, the miracle on ice, uh, hockey hockey team, and the reason why I have that up there, okay, uh, is for and I have it over here. You guys can see. Let me kind of point over here if you're watching on video, right? I was able to meet uh, Jim Craig, and uh, he signed a jersey for me. That's a little a little picture right there, okay? Here's here's the reason. 
it was not because they won the gold the gold medal. Uh, it's and and beat and beat the the Soviet Soviet Union. I have it up there because the game they played. If you guys want to go, maybe you guys have some time in your hand. Go watch the the movie Miracle. Uh, but the game before the Olympics was against the Soviet Union, and everybody was like in in like incredibly surprised why. Uh, you know, uh, Herb Brooks would schedule something like that, the coach. And, and what connected to me is he did it because he wanted his team to experience tremendous adversity because he knew how adversity strengthens. And I guarantee, well, I, don't, I, can't, I can't guarantee, but I'm confident that if they had not played that game in advance, they would not have stepped up to the level that they did when they beat them in the uh, the silver, I think it was a silver, not the silver medal round, uh, but the semi semifinals right before they went to the gold medal round. Um, that adversity strengthened. That's where I believe we're at right now. We have an opportunity to use this adversity to grow, use this adversity to find opportunities, to be a leader, to stand up, to influence, to, to be a voice, a voice for good, a voice for humanity. And that takes a lot. It takes some courage, okay? It takes some tenacity, but I know you can do it. If you guys have been listening for a long time, you listen for a reason. I know, I know that type of personality. That's mine. And I believe that these are the moments where we shine. These are the moments that we've been preparing for. All the seasons we've done over the last couple of years, it's for these moments. So friends, I, I'm sorry I couldn't see you in San Jose, uh, but listen, I'm hoping that the, the content, the information has made a difference for you and it allows you to take uh, this uh, challenging set of circumstances, this adversity, and thrive through it, because I know you can. Uh, all right, that's it. I might be back here a little bit a uh, little bit later this week. We'll see, um, but I wish you the best. Uh, stay healthy in, in your mind, stay healthy uh, in your body, and, and be, a, be a force for good for those who, uh, those who are, are having a rough time uh, working through this challenging this uh, challenging situation. Okay, everyone, that's it. Best of luck, best wishes. We'll talk to you next time. Now enjoy the interview with my my good friend Jason Hartman. Pat, it's great to be talking to you again. Uh, there are uh, absolutely wild events going on in the world. Um, this is sort of a, a once in a hundred years type of thing. Uh, the last time the world saw anything like this. And hopefully this won't be anywhere near as significant as the Spanish flu in 1918. Um, what what do you make of current events? What do I make of current events? You know, it, it, <laughs> well, first off, Jason, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah it's awesome yeah. to be with you too. And you know, I look at uh, you know, what what's going on, and I I try to step out of it. You know, I I look at the uh, you know the crowd, and I've never been part of kind of the the, cra the crowd, and so I try to look at things from a different different perspective. But it's interesting because it's still it's still rolling, you know, it's still rolling out, but it's going quick, and it's having you know a, a massive impact on uh, on people's psychology, their their emotional uh, state of being, and and I you know I would say where I'm where I've gravitated toward is not necessarily anxiety behind the the actual. Uh, coronavirus itself, but the impact it's going to have on the economy. That that's really where I'm focusing uh, my attention, uh, because I I look at you know the seventy thousand plus people that have already recovered from it, and 
you know, I, I think it's going to pass through a lot of people, but then ultimately they'll, they'll recover from it. I don't think people are looking at the, the end result. They're always in the here and now in the short term. And I think the short term is going to be, uh, you know, fixed from a health standpoint. Uh, that's just my opinion and, and my perspective from what I've uh, gathered. And we all if I look hope at the, the right. long-term impact. Yeah. I think it's going to be an incredibly uh, challenging, but also in the long-term really good. Mm -hmm. So uh, when you say that, you're talking about the economy, I think, right? Uh, yeah, I would say local economy, uh, the way of doing business, the supply chains, uh, you know, I, I, yeah. China and what they're, you know, how that's going to impact like the Belt and Road in initiative. I mean, it's going to be, yeah, it, it's going to be really interesting, the, the impact of this. I think it's going to be uh, decades and it's, uh, and, but I think it's a really good thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, so certainly on the really good side, it is causing companies to diversify their supply chains, which is a, a good move. Um it uh, it sort of hastens the the Trump platform, if you will, which is bring jobs back to the U.S. Now, this is from yes. a U.S. perspective. We're talking, of course, uh, but uh, you know, we both on on both of our podcasts have listeners around the world, and um, and so so I think that really uh, uh, sort of sort of brings that issue to the fore. Uh, before this, you know, we had a lot of trade war discussions, and and this has taken over the news, but I think it it really. Uh, it makes a good case for countries, uh, companies, individuals, families to become more self-sufficient and and not reliant on outsourcing. You know, we've all been outsourcing companies, countries, people, uh, because it's convenient, it's inexpensive, and uh, you know, there's there's something to be said for uh, not having so much reliance on that, and also, you know, the other thing that we're finding when we see these supply shortages is the whole modern concept of just-in-time delivery and just-in-time manufacturing, um, you know, it's great because that keeps inventory costs way down, but it also means you can't walk into a supply room and get more supplies because everything's just on demand, right? Mm -hmm. And yep. so and so that's why there aren't enough masks. There's certainly a toilet paper shortage. Uh, I mean, all this crazy stuff <laughs> uh, is, is because of that. So I think that'll, that'll be reassessed. And uh, Pat, you know what I think is also good? I think the handshake is going to go out of style. Uh, the I, I are, think, you, are we going to do like the French like kiss on the cheek now or what? No, I think that one might be worse, but that's <laughs> I like that one though. Um, yeah, uh, well, it depends on who you're kissing. Well, that's fair enough, fair enough. Uh, but um, but you know, I, I think the Japanese bow. I think I think the Japanese have it right with a the very polite, courteous bow is a good one. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll see. So, um, um, what are you seeing in the insurance business, and uh, uh, how how has that been acting? What's the vibe from from your customers and prospects the past few weeks since this really became a huge huge story? Well, it's a, it's a good it's a good question. I I would say you know we're we're in a very simple. I'm in a simple business, right? And in my business, there's not uh, a lot of volatility, and and that's why I chose it, right? I, I chose to go down this path in 2008, 2009, just because because I saw how uh, how much it would have helped people, right, who were going through uh, e extreme volatility and, and adversity. So, you know, this is our this has been my message for a long time. You know, obviously, I'm an investor. Uh, I've invested with you before. Uh, we, you know, have advocated different alternative investments. At the same time, you know, our our, uh, our big thing is to establish, you know, a foundation of, of certainty for times like these, because that provides the wherewithal, the uh, perspective, so that you can look at 
the disruption, which is out of, really out of anybody's control. You can't control it, but what you can do is capitalize on the opportunity. And I see just massive opportunities for those that keep their head straight, uh, that are focused and uh, are able to, you know, really look at uh, where the opportunities are are and are going to to be. And it's not necessarily something to jump on right now, but when you have liquidity, typically in times of uncertainty and chaos, you have tons of opportunities that present themselves to you if you have cash and liquidity. You know, I posted on my Facebook yesterday that we are about to witness, we being everybody in the world is about to witness the biggest money printing extravaganza in world history. It is, I mean, I, I, I don't know what's coming. None of us really do. But I think the kind of bailouts, the kind of uh, uh, stock purchase programs and uh, uh, welfare state programs that will come out of this will make the Great Recession look like those were small bailouts. We thought those numbers were big when it was a trillion here, a trillion there. I think we're going to see much bigger things now because this is a much bigger deal. Uh, whole segments of the global economy are literally just going into hibernation mode. You know. So, Jason, what do you? So, what will what will be the result of that? Right? Because I, I agree. I think that it, it. I mean, it's it's the natural response. It ha it has to be right because the the Fed is, has uh, you know been that that saving grace. Uh, of when things go sideways, you know, they come in and artificially uh, manipulate, pump things up, keep things stable. Uh, they did it with, you know, with our podcast a few months ago on on what they were doing, the repo market uh, to, you know, to, to right now. I mean, that is going to be the solution. So my question to you is, all right, that's going to happen. Okay. What is the result of that? Or what are the results of that? Well, uh, I did a couple of shows recently on my podcast about this very rare situation that we're experiencing, and that is supply-demand shock. Most of the time, you don't have both of those together. Now, everybody knows that the basic rule of economics is supply and demand, right? When supply is short and demand is high, you have inflation. Prices go up. When supply is plentiful and demand is low, then you have deflationary pressures uh, because there's just too much supply in the market. So everybody starts lowering their price of whatever their widgets are to try and uh, uh, you know, sell their sell their inventory, and uh, what we're moving into is is a kind of a a very rare scenario where we have supply and demand shock. So, uh, you know, the the Fed with their monetary stimulus and the government with fiscal stimulus can try to create demand by pumping money into the market and making money cheap. Right. If money's plentiful, meaning it's easy to borrow, interest rates are are cheap or free, or you're literally in a negative interest rate environment where you're actually getting paid to borrow money, which is arguably what we're in now, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, and even what we've been in a, a, for a little while, um, then. Uh, you know, there's a wealth effect to that, right? People think, well, why not buy stuff? But the the interesting and rare thing we're about to see, and I, I mean, we're seeing it in just minor ways. You know, if you go to the, the market, uh, and I, I've been to a couple of uh, markets, uh, Costco, and then the regular supermarket, there's no paper products. I, I mean, Pat, listen, I, I host a survival podcast, the holistic <laughs> survival show, right? And I started that during the Great Recession in about 2008. 
And uh, I interviewed hundreds of preppers and survivalists. And never did I think paper products would be the thing. Not one of them said that on my show. They, they all said, well, food, water, uh, you know, maybe if they're more radical, guns and ammunition. Uh, you know, you heard all of that stuff. Yep. Medical supplies. But you didn't hear toilet paper and paper towels being the shortage, right? So that's the supply shock. And as we have seen... So are, you saying, are you saying that it's not going to make an impact? Are you saying that as they do stimulus, it's it's not going to have the impact they think it's going to have? It's not going. It's not going to have the impact they think it's going to have. Yes, you're. That's exactly what I'm saying. It will have okay. some impact. It will soften the landing, but when there's no supply of yeah. products to buy because the the workshop of the world, China, has gone to sleep, then you know. What can you do with that, right? Yeah. Well, here, so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna fill you in on something that sure. that uh, I didn't tell you before. Okay. So uh, about a month and a half ago, uh, I was at the I was at the Tony Robbins the the Platinum uh, Partners Finance event up in Sun Valley, mm -hmm. uh, and there were two speakers. Uh, one of them, it was fascinating, and and I'll share with you a couple of the statistics from his uh, presentation. But he was uh, it's Eric Prince, who was mm -hmm. the uh, former CEO of Blackwater, right. And you know he sold that, became a billionaire, and now just does a lot of investment around the world. And he basically called everything that we're experiencing right now. Mm -hmm. uh, and I look at you know the stimulus that's a given, uh, but looking again at, at what his uh, biggest concern was is the reliance that we have uh, on China mm -hmm. uh, for our supply chain. And supply chain is basically where either parts or, or holes. Of, of goods and services that we use are reliant on some aspect of the Chinese uh, manufacturing uh, hub. And so get, so get these statistics, right? Mm -hmm. uh, textiles and apparels, 54% uh, of the world's global production is textiles and apparels. Wow. Uh, tech, tech goods, okay, 46%. You're saying, you're saying this is the percentage that comes from it, China? Correct, right? Okay. 40, 42% chemical products, uh, rubber and plastic, 38%. Machinery, 38%. This is where it gets into your stuff, right? Uh, household go goods is only 35%. Mm -hmm. And the threat that China has been making over the last couple of days, right, with regards to the, dr the dr uh, drugs, right, drugs that people take is only 29%. Mm -hmm. I look at that and I'm like, wow, that, okay, that's significant, right? 29%, but like 54%, right? <laughs> yeah. Over half. So that's, that's the impact that I, I think that it has not manifested yet. Uh, I think we see it with with empty shelves in the in the super, you know in, in supermarkets or Costco or Sam's Club. At the same time, like I don't think we've seen I don't I don't think we've seen what's going to happen. But I also think there's a really good thing, and this is what Eric Prince said uh, as a as a result of his his presentation, is that you know uh, the U.S. is fat and happy, mm -hmm. right? We have relied on you know cheap cheap products, cheap production right. uh, for for far too long, and. Mm -hmm. And we are getting lazy. And and he said, you know, the best thing for a person that's lazy, fat, and happy is is to, you know, get told that they're having a heart attack and they need to. They got to change their ways. 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 They got to be more efficient. They got to. Right. And, and I think that's what's going to ultimately uh, be the the positive outcome from this. Uh, at the same time, you know, I think there's going to be some interesting uh, months ahead of us, and just in relation to navigating through the supply chain issues and how it's going to impact businesses. And that's where, you know, I think we're experiencing the same thing right now when you have schools that are shutting down, 
you know, the, the, uh, the, the, na- the professional sports are, are shutting down. Uh, you have, you know, here in Utah, like church, we shut church down, we shut, you know, events down, limited to, you know, less than a hundred people, right? Thing there's disruption. This disrupts just, you know, the economic machine. Uh, and, and I believe that is what's to be uh, concerned about because that, uh, as you said, is going to uh, decrease, uh, decrease demand big mm-hmm. time. And also, uh, what you said, decreased supply. So I look at yeah, money going into the economy, injecting. It may have some short-term, like, you know, getting juiced, you know, with uh, with a bunch of caffeine before you go to the gym. But it's going to have a big crash. Yeah, right. It's uh, and what what's interesting is that as far as real estate goes, I think as we, it, it, I don't know, it depends because none of us know now. That's the disclaimer we all have to use, right? We just don't know. But here's a a possible scenario, is that uh, the builders pull in their horns. They they really curtail their building activity, their construction activity, which is already there's this huge shortage of housing. And there will be this sort of perfect inflection point coming where the the interest rates will be the cheapest. There will be enough inventory to buy for investors or even homeowners. And then as we start to come out of the inevitable recession. By the way, folks, we're going into a recession. Okay, so get over it. And that only means, you know, two consecutive quarters of flat or declining GDP. Okay, so we're going to have a recession. Okay, we're, we're upon, we're on the verge of it. Um, and, but as we come out of that, uh, there will be this certain sort of perfect inflection point that some courageous people who in a climate of fear are willing to you know, go, go buy and be contrarians and invest and, you know, theoretically risk, right? Where uh, there's just going to be an even harsher, uh, worse shortage of housing than there is now. And I think you'll see that shortage in a lot of other things too, not just housing. Uh, But um, I don't know if they can pump enough money in the system, maybe the builders will keep building. Who knows? You know, it's it just remains to be seen. Pat, there's one other thing, though, I think we should address. And you see, I'm sure you've seen a lot of this on social media. The first uh, one you have is what people are calling flutards. Have you heard that one? <laughs> that, that's people who are comparing this to the the flu. And, yeah, okay, and, yeah, because yeah, yeah. people are you know, getting up in arms about it not being the flu. They're yeah. in denial, okay? Those people are out of their mind. This really is different, okay? And yeah. it's much more serious. Uh, so there's the flutards, but then there's there's also the people that are doing this doom and gloom mathematics. And viruses do grow exponentially, and that is definitely a concern. But they get to a certain point where the growth does not happen exponentially anymore. Because that's why you have an that's why you have an S curve in economics, right? No tree yes. grows to the Thank sky. You. There's yes. eventually correction. Right, right, absolutely. That's a perfect uh, a perfect comparison. And and so what happens is number one, as the news gets worse and worse, more people self quarantine or there's martial law imposed and people are forced to quarantine. So then the rate of infection drops dramatically, and also infected people going around interacting with other infected people, that doesn't do anything. It doesn't increase the number of infections because when you get to a certain point where a lot of people are infected, and and remember that not everybody infected even gets sick. Many don't even know it, okay? And that's the problem. We just don't have testing in the U.S. yet. Uh, So uh, those exponential curves 
they happen for a little while, but then they really tail off. So relax on the doom and gloom, okay? Um, You know, 7 billion people aren't going to die, okay? The the world will go on, um, and hopefully it will be, uh, you know, minimalist amount of damage. So, yeah. Now, and I'll add, and I'll add to that. I mean, I, I think first, you know, there's there's things you can control, and there's there's things you, you can't, right? And it goes to that like that stoic quote of, you know, the the, the more uh, value you put on things you uh, they're outside of your control, the less control you have. So here, it's maintaining your health. If you get it, you get it, and it's you know figuring out how to get, get cured from it. There are many people, tens of thousands of people, that have gotten it and are and are good now. The, the thing with me is what I what I always try to look at. This is one of the reasons, like in my office, I have the the Wayne Gretz, a picture of Wayne Gretzky, the puck. Right? Because yeah, I love yeah, that. You, you know, he's he was the 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 average guy, right? Average build, average strength, right? But he was the best one out there because he did what everybody else didn't do, uh, fo- you know, follow follow the crowd, fo- follow where things are, as opposed to taking a step out, right? And I, you know, I somehow found my way onto this like text chain with Ray Dalio. I think there's a couple hundred people on wow. there. And and he's been texting uh, a lot lately, you know, in regards to how you make decisions, right? So I'll, I'll read, I'm going to read one of them, which sure. I think is really yeah, important. That's great. Uh, the first one is like, he, he, you know, prioritize the weighing the value of additional information against the cost of not deciding. And, and that's a, that's a big thing, right? Where you, you have to look at, you know, where, where you are, what you, what you know, and what compels you to make a decision. And typically it's more unconscious than it is conscious. And so the idea is like, okay, if you're compelled to make a decision, all right, now it's uh, you know figuring out if there's other information, other perspective that you can uh, that you can use to potentially form another opinion. And this takes a lot of humility, right? Because we all pride ourselves in 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 a sense of being smart and understanding things and using big words. Uh, at the same time, right, that's super destructive because if you cling to that, you're you know hopefully people don't think that they know everything. And mm-hmm. it's you know trying to uh, find the other side of the argument that allows you to have a fully formed perspective. And at that point, your reaction uh, is is more of a response uh, than it is uh, a reaction of an unconscious, you know, carnally driven uh, reaction. So I think it's huge right now where you, I think he's saying this because there's so much going on and a lot of it's just out of people's control, but yet they get sucked into it. And that, that fear, that emotion, is it compels you to make bad decisions, right? Yeah. And there may be a good decision in there, but it's like the exception rather than the rule. So the idea is to, you know, really like we're talking about, do some research, understand both sides of the argument, see what the worst case scenario is, but see what the best case scenario is. Mm-hmm. Because this, I think all of this is healthy. It's like, you know, getting the crap kicked out of you sometimes, right? Wake, wakes you up and you get punched in the face. It's the whole Mike Tyson quote, right? Then you, you look at things different. And I look at right now, and I, I think this is far past due for our society, where you know we we look at uh, how fortunate we are to to have the luxuries and the technologies and the efficiencies. At the same time, it's made us lazy, mm-hmm. right? It's made us uh, you know cling to these like you know emotional uh, emotional things and trends. But here's the thing, Jason, and this is what I became aware of yesterday, is I believe it's going to get worse. And here's why: I think there's been this built up like this built up conf, uh, co- energy of conflict. I mean, I think people naturally see conflict. That's why sports are popular. Uh, that's why, uh, you know, any form of, of competition, you know, even movies, stories, right? People need conflict. Without conflict, stuff is boring. Sure. And yeah, there's been this like global conflict that hasn't really occurred for a really long time. And right. there's this built up energy. But here's the thing is now that it's kind of manifesting, 
Okay. You have removed sports. You've removed like movies are being put off. Right. And, and that's where I see just a, con- a continuation of this, uh, this hype, which I believe is going to accentuate or magnify the, the challenge. But at the same time, like this is where all the opportunity is for those that keep an, you know, a, a level head right. and, and see where there's inefficiencies, see where there's opportunities to add value. And I think it's going to be the greatest period of time in history to become successful, wealthy, uh, but at the same time, add massive value to, you know, to, to the world. And, that, and that's what happens every single time. It's the creative and you know destruction. What? We, we creative used destruction. To, it's Joseph Schumpeter's creative destruction. Absolutely, Pat. And, and you know, uh, everybody during the Great Recession, well, not everybody, but the few people in the know were looking back and looking at the history from the Great Depression seven decades earlier. And they were saying, look at all these big companies that started out of the Great Depression. Uh, Look at J. Paul Getty became the world's first billionaire uh, during the Great Depression. And, and, And now you don't need to look back 70 years. You can look back 10 years and you can see probably people you know, maybe you yourself listening, you made a lot of money coming out of the great recession just 10 years ago. And I know many people that did that and their businesses became much stronger. Uh, They as people became much stronger. Uh, And and this is what always happens, you know, uh, failure, uh, hard times, whatever it is that do not destroy you, strengthen you. And uh, this ultimately will be good for the world. Yes, there will be tragedies out of it. I don't want to minimize that uh, by any means, but um, you know, there, there will also be very significant silver linings that come out of this. So, uh, yep. Good, good, um, good, good thinking, uh, Pat, uh, what, what else do we see, wrap like, up with? What else do yeah. you see? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about, you know, cause you, you view the world. That's why I love you, Jason, but you, you view the world much differently than, than most. Uh, and I love those, I love those perspectives. Yeah. Like what, what well, else are, what else are you seeing? I mean, this is more, you know, self, for, for me, but what else, what else are you, what else are you seeing? Well, you, you know, you know what, you know what, uh, I have been postulating is that the idea that, um, this is a prelude to something that probably was going to happen anyway. And, uh, you know, the, the really hardcore libertarians will hate this, but interestingly, some of them actually agree with it. The Silicon Valley style libertarians, uh, think that we need a universal basic income. And I think that, uh, this is going to simply expand the government's role in, in the handout world. I think, uh, we may see some sort of national, uh, equivalent to the Section 8 housing program. We will see a lot of aid doled out by the government. Uh, we will see the, the, like I said, the largest, biggest money printing extravaganza, extravaganza in world history. And um, we may see a national type of housing assistance program. We may see a universal basic income. And the reason I say this may have had to come anyway is because of the very significant uh, automation uh, and robotics and AI and and the way that is going to change the world and uh, how a lot of workers will just not be able to retool from that, at least not quickly at all. It's not like the past. And I understand that the only job 
that has actually disappeared from the economy in the past 50 years is one, there's only one job that's disappeared with all the automation and technological advances we've had, Pat, and that is elevator operator. All of those are self-operated nowadays. <laughs> you know, there's no elevator operators anymore, but everything else is still there. However, it's really hard to understand how it they those jobs will still be there this next phase that we're moving into of autonomous vehicles, of uh, articles that can be written by computer, uh, sports scores, newscasting, uh, songs and poetry, all done by AI. Uh, okay. I think this time it really is different, but maybe I'll be wrong about that. But I, I think yep. that yeah. that's going to be the push toward a universal basic income. Yeah, I, I find it you know, I find it interesting, again, coming from the libertarian, you know, per perspective that I always try to, to, to cling to and use as a, a check and balance to what's going on. Uh, you know, I, I see just a lot of government uh, intervention. And in the end, you know, it's the whole Kiyosaki, you know, A student or C students work for A student or uh, A students work for C students and B students work for the government. Right. You know, the, go the government is like mediocrity, I, I look at. And, you know, example is here in Utah. Like yesterday they had the, you know, the governor was there and the lieutenant governor. And, and you know, they, they, were, they were telling people what not to do. And, and I'm like, okay, if you want to, you, you know, influence people's behavior, right, don't tell them what not to do. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like telling an eight-year-old you know, don't do this, don't do this. And they're just going to go do it. And and one of the things they were saying is, you know, don't go to Costco and, you know, be the, the person that, that buys those last packet of, of, of toilet paper and fights everybody don't, else. Don't worry, you can't be that person because they don't have any toilet paper. <laughs> okay, go yeah, ahead. And that, so yeah. that's one of the things where it's, where it's really interesting how they're, how they're handling it. Uh, and, you know, at, at some point, you know, this leads to my other, you know, question for you. I'm not sure how much you've really thought through, uh, you know, the, the, the change in demographics. Because right now, you know, you have a lot of old people that are uh, in uh, positions of leadership, positions of, of influence, mainly in the government, right? And you know, they're it seems like they're losing their mind. They're not keeping touch with reality, and and I wouldn't I wouldn't expect them to. And at what point, right, is the is the jig up, right? At, w at what point are we like, um, okay, sixty year old, seventy year old, like I don't think you know what the hell you're doing. Uh, do you think there's a point in time where there's a, a, a change of guard of sorts from the, the old generation to the young generation? And do you think that is what's going to, uh, you know, com compel the you know universal basic income or, or an increase in assistance? Uh, or do you think it's just going to be, you know, similar to, to the past where, you know, just you have these older individuals that are trying to pad the pocket of other individuals and their constituency just to get reelected? Hey, so you're talking about in the political realm or in general? I would say b political and social. Yeah. Um, uh, gosh, that's such a complicated set of questions there. I, of course, the real answer is I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, one, one of uh, my podcast guests uh, says that coronavirus is a bomb aimed at baby boomers. And uh, number one, because their, their health is weaker. Uh, given immune systems of younger people are generally stronger. So that's one thing. Uh, but you've got this issue of like inheritances that will happen and and that transfer of wealth. 
Uh, so it, it's just very hard to tell. Yeah. Um, you know, is he but, saying that from a nefarious perspective, or is he saying that this is you know, kind of just like the natural order of things? Yeah, kind of maybe nefarious, but okay. uh, not. I don't know. You know, there's all those conspiracies that this is a a man-made virus, and you know, it, it's weaponized and all that stuff. He wasn't really saying that, but uh, who knows? It's uh, it's just very hard to tell. I, I think I think the problem is everybody's talking about this, but it's just too early to tell. You know, there used to be this weatherman on TV with a famous thing, T-E-T-T, -T, too early to tell. And that's exactly where we are, folks. Uh, we're just, it's just too early to tell. But the thing we do know is that the global economy, huge swaths of the global economy have gone to sleep. They're in hibernation and probably more things will be in hibernation. And that is going to have a huge uh, impact on pushing us into a recession because will the people that work for all those people be paid? Will they get handouts? Um, you know, uh, the Trump administration has proposed getting rid of the payroll tax. Well, that's fine if you have payroll and you have a job, but it doesn't help you if you don't have a job. Nope. So I, I think what has to happen is e either or maybe both, a na nationwide housing assistance program, uh, like a Section 8 concept, or uh, or universal basic income. Uh, you know, Or maybe they'll call it like uh, Bush did years ago, it'll just be a tax refund, and everybody just gets a check from the government saying, here's some of your taxes back. Uh, you know, but there's going to be there's going to be stimulus for sure. And the people who are willing to buck the trend and be courageous and uh you know you know buy cheap assets and and remember when it comes to real estate part of the cheapness of the asset is not necessarily what you think like a price reduction it's that the fact that the money to buy that asset is so cheap or really free and that's mm -hmm. the super low interest rates just another form of stimulus so yeah so where do you where do you see the 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 biggest opportunities through all through all of this as it all shakes out uh, well, I, I think, uh, income property is going to be a great asset class. Uh, no surprise that I say that many people be, think it's self-serving, but the reason it's not is because it truly is the multidimensional asset class and there's a return policy that comes with it. And that return policy is the one that millions of people took advantage of during the great recession. They just said to the lender, look, I'm not paying. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give the property back or, you know, modify my loan and make it easier for me to afford this uh, or put a moratorium on mortgage payments. And you're already seeing talk of that in the news media. In fact, it may be a government mandate. Uh, so there, there's just when when you have a multidimensional asset class like that, you have so many options. And um, and that really, really benefits investors. Um, I'm I'm starting to think that I'd actually give some stock tips, uh, you know, because these stocks are looking so cheap, but they're going to get cheaper. Um, and here's two things, I think, fundamental, very basic things about the stock market that are important. Number one is the value or the price of the stock or the price of the index like the S&P versus GDP. If you look at that over the past few decades, you'll know when stocks are cheap and when stocks are overvalued. And also just the very basic price to earnings ratio. Those two things, I think, are the most important metrics. And if you look at stock prices versus GDP, stocks are still expensive. 
okay, historically. Uh, and PE ratios are still high. So not yet, okay? Too early uh, for that, for to be the vulture capitalist in the bottom feeder on that. But <laughs> but it's looking interesting. It's getting tempting, but I think hey, it'll get a lot so more tempting. Maybe another question along that yeah. along that vein. So let's let's say that you could have done one thing different in 2007, right? Leading into what we all experienced, 2008, 2009, 2010. Like what, what's the one thing you would have done differently? Oh gosh, all those properties, all those properties I let my clients buy, I should have bought them for myself. <laughs> okay, mm. <laughs> that's that's for sure. Or I should have snapped up a lot more of them than I didn't. Uh, so that's, you know, that's my regret. So acting so maybe yeah. acting sooner than you did. Yeah, yeah. You know, just being being sort of busy, being the shoemaker uh, who's making shoes for everybody else, but, uh, you know, who, whose kids are walking around barefoot. You know, I, I should have bought more properties, definitely. I, I You know, I bought some. I mean, yeah, I've, I've got a significant real estate portfolio in different companies I have, but uh, not enough. Should should have done more. Maybe yeah. maybe another maybe uh, another question. So yeah, I'm obviously having some liquidity, having cash, uh, and you know act, acting when you know that something is on sale. But that's my that's the other question. You know, when, when you look for opportunity, I think there's a couple ways to do it, right? The, the first opportunity, right, is to figure out how can you personally uh, add value, right? Add value to this person, add value to that person, whether it's in your your business, your job. Uh, et cetera, is always having that mindset. But the second thing is really uh, looking for something on sale. And I look at, uh, you know, the, uh, some some phraseology I've, I've heard over and over and over again for the last couple of years is, you know, the world's going to go on sale. How, mm -hmm. how do you determine uh, when something is on sale? Well, just in the stock market, I just gave you that answer. Okay. Let's say it, something. Let's say it's something else. Okay. So with real estate, um, it's it's when the money is so cheap that you're just getting paid to borrow, okay? okay? Or when the price is so low that the rent-to-value ratio is just so desirable you can't. You know, and I'll give you an example. During the Great Recession, okay, we had rent-to-value ratios of some of our properties that were 1.8. What I mean is a $100,000 property that would rent for $1,800 a month that was absolutely incredible. You can't get anywhere close to that on a quality property today, okay? Um, you know, that, that's a good quality property with that. And we saw many that were $1.4, $100,000 property renting for $1,400 a month. Now, uh, $100,000 property, if you can get 1000 a month, you're doing great. Okay, uh, but the money is also cheaper now too. So you can't just go by the rent to value ratio because the financing is less expensive now than it was then. So what you wanna do is arbitrage opportunities. That's the way any investor in any asset class wins. So if the price is cheap, stock up and be willing to pay the higher cost of money during the cheap price time, okay? and then refinance out of that, and that's one of the things I love about income property, is you're never stuck with a deal. You can renegotiate it all along. In other words, you can buy the property with, at some point for a cheap price with expensive money and bite the bullet for a few years. Then when that money gets cheaper, you refinance it, and now you've got cheap money on a property you bought at a cheap price. So that's fantastic, right? Um, and right now, properties aren't super cheap, but the money is super cheap. And so you want to, you, you're really, you're really in essence buying the cheap loan more than the cheap property because the property, 
you know, they're in our in our linear boring markets, not the high flying cyclical markets on the east and west coast. The properties are still reasonably priced. Okay, they're not dirt cheap like they were, but they're reasonable, um, and uh, and and the money is super cheap. So one of those two elements, if you have it working for you, you're doing great. So it's, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do another question. Sorry, I keep adding layers onto this. Yep. But going back again to the 2007, 2008, you know, you purchasing more than you actually did. Uh, I'm assuming that you had some reservations, some fears, some anxieties. Like, what, 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 what was going through your head at that at that time that maybe now you understand things differently? So that you know, when fear is occurring, uh, you know, in, in the the near future that you would be able to step outside of that sea opportunity and then capitalize on the opportunity by making a decision. So I, I don't, know, what, what's, I don't, what's been your learning process yeah, through you I, know, I, the, this last go around? You know, I don't know that I was really that fearful. I was just sort of busy. Uh, you know, I was just busy serving clients. And uh, for a while, the market was quite slow. And then, uh, and and that's because Fannie Mae limited the number of loans people could could have, and investors wanted to buy more properties, but they just couldn't because they're they're you know they could only have four financed properties for uh, quite a while there. And when business started to pick up, we were just busy serving customers that were purchasing more properties, and uh, you know I, I sort of wasn't paying enough attention. Uh, to my own stuff, and I should have been out there aggressively buying more. Uh, so it, it wasn't really, you know, fear. And well, I can tell you one other big mistake. I remember uh, one of my clients and I. We've we've done several deals together uh, on larger properties. Uh, I remember in 2010, we were really, really looking uh, to buy. Um, you know, self-storage facilities, mobile home parks, or apartment complexes. And um, we had written uh, approximately 80 letters of intent and sent them out to owners. And just stupidly, we thought all the owners were being just completely unreasonable. And they had buyers lined up at the door. Everybody was buying, buying, buying suddenly. And this was only 2010. Okay, so we were, you know, just coming out of the Great Recession, okay? And um, we thought they were being too greedy and the prices were too high. Looking back in the rearview mirror, those properties were cheap, cheap, cheap. We should have bought them all. And the same was true with residential, with single-family homes. Same thing. What, could, what, what, what would have been a statistic or, or a, a variable that would have made you, uh, you know, actually, you know, send out the letter of intent, get it, get a... Uh, 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 what's it called? Like a response or a yeah. counteroffer. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then pull the trigger on it. Is there a certain variable that if you had, you would have made that decision? Well, it's, it's all perspective, you know, at the time it felt like there was so much buyer competition. There were a lot, they, these people were starting to see, and remember they were coming out of the same thing. Everybody else was where the market was kind of dead for a couple of years. And then suddenly it's like they were starting to turn on the faucet. The buyers were out there, they were making offers, and the sellers started thinking, oh, well, my I got a hot commodity here, so I need to really be firm on the price. And at the time, it seemed expensive. It always does. That's the way it always feels. Uh -huh. Every asset buyer, every time, 
feels like, why can't I get a better deal? Mm -hmm. But all you have to do is wait a couple of years and your deal's going to look really good. It, uh -huh. it just, it just works that way every time. <laughs> so, uh, so, so that's, that's the thing is to try and keep that perspective. And that's why when you're older and more experienced, you just get better at this stuff because you can read about it in a book. You can talk to people about it, but there's nothing like being really actually there. Mm -hmm. And when you were there, you really internalize what it felt like. And then the next time around, you, you see the opportunities and you're more willing to take advantage of them. Yeah. So how I would say, how are you preparing yourself uh, right now? Or is it still, still early, uh, early it's to tell? No, no preparation. You know, I'm still looking at deals. Clients are looking at deals. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's just too early to tell. I, you know, I, I, I couldn't say right now. Um, but, uh, but uh, stock up on stuff for your house, have some food. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and if you can get it, hand sanitizer and toilet paper, that would be good too. <laughs> they fly off the shelves yeah. every, you know, every, every time they get restocked. So those, it'll be, those, it'll be interesting to see how it all. Those are the hottest asset classes going. <laughs> yeah. well, that's the thing is, you, you know, when, when things are scarce, that's when they're valued more. Right? And, and there's been so much abundance that I don't think people have, like I said, uh, you know, a few moments ago, yeah. uh, they just don't value things. And when they start to value things, that's when, you know, capitalism kicks in, sure. right? Because capitalism always finds a way to, you know, give, give a person what, what they want. Right. Uh, and now that people are valuing things more and, and especially things that are made uh, with, you know, in the United States made with, you know, better, I would say trade, trade partnerships. Okay. Nobody thinks about that. Nobody, nobody knows that the majority of, you know, good goods in the U S you know, are, are in part, maybe not in whole, but in part made in, made in China. Yeah. Uh, but now they'll know. And that's when you have capitalism kick, you know, kicking in and, and solving problems. But I think the amount of time is, uh, is, isn't going to be overnight. You know, there's, there's definitely going to be, uh, years of being able to plug these, uh, plug these holes, but I think it's healthy. I'm, I'm excited for a lot of the, you know, yeah. the, the disruption. Cause I think that, uh, helps people value life more, value commerce, more value business, more, uh, and, and, uh, and I and think it, we'll get, we'll get, we'll get through this and, you know, in the, in the long run, it'll be really, really good and things are going to get even better. You, you just said something, uh, really interesting before we go and, and, uh, we'll just wrap it up. But I, I just want to say one thing, if you have a business and, and, you know, everybody has a business. If you have a job, you have a business, you are the CEO of the services you sell to your employer. Okay. You got to think like that no matter yes, what. Yes, okay? absolutely. And, but but if, say you have an actual, you know, business as a legal entity, right? Really, really, really appreciate your customers uh, because there may be a time when you think, you know, that customer was difficult. That was a crappy customer. But God, I wish I had that customer back now. Don't be that person. Be grateful for what you have and treat people well, uh, because you never know how uh, that uh, that might be your saving grace later. So yep. I would definitely say that. All yeah. right, Pat. Hey, thank you so much uh, for the talk. It was great talking with you again about this stuff. This and, is fun. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. We'll talk to you next time. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Jason.